0: Let's pray and let's ask God to help us to understand his word. Our Father, we thank and praise you because you are the one true God and you have given Jesus to live and die and rise again for us that we may be part of his kingdom. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will help us to understand what your word says tonight about Jesus and you help us to put into practice what we learn that we may live as worthy citizens of Jesus' kingdom. We pray it in his name. Amen. Uh, Some of you may know this magazine. It's called the Australian Presbyterian. Um, It's quite an interesting magazine. But one thing that uh, they do in this magazine each year is they give a list of the Presbyterians who were honoured in the Queen's Birthday Honours List. Um, So it tells you about the Presbyterians who are being worthy citizens of the British Empire. So, for example, in last year's Honour List... We had Professor Bruce Mansfield for service to education, Mrs. Lucy Jamon for charity service in Gloucester, Mr. Ronald Pilkington for community and church service. Uh, Here are Presbyterians who are being honoured for worthy citizenship. That's even happening in our own congregation. Uh, A famous member of our church who's here this evening but who won't give me permission to use her name was on the front page of the North Shore Times just the other day for her charity work. Worthy citizens. (laughs) It's nice to be anonymous, isn't it? (laughs) This part of Paul's letter to the Philippians, uh, it's about being worthy citizens. But not citizens of the British Empire, as good as that may be. This passage is about being worthy citizens of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, do you remember what we're up to in the letter? Paul has been explaining his situation to the Philippians. Do you remember what John said to us last week? Do you remember what Paul's situation is? You know Where he is? He's in? He's in jail. Okay, We don't know exactly where, maybe Ephesus, maybe uh, Rome, but he's in jail in chains. Uh, but uh, how's he feeling? How's he feeling about being in chains? He's rejoicing about it, isn't he? He's rejoicing. For a couple of reasons, he's rejoicing because he can still tell people about Jesus. In fact, he's got a captive audience. He's got... Guards chained to him each day, prisoners in prison with him, they can't get away. They have to listen to him as he explains the gospel. He's also rejoicing because as he's in jail being brave, it's inspiring other people to be brave. We also saw Paul thinking about his future. He doesn't exactly know what's going to happen. Maybe he's going to get executed. Maybe he's going to be released. But either way, Paul says, I'll rejoice. If he's released, it means he can get to tell more people about Jesus. If he's executed, it means he gets to be with Jesus. It's win-win for Paul. So that's Paul's situation. He's in jail. Now in chapter 1, verse 27, he turns to the church in Philippi. And he says what he wants them to do. And this is the first command of the letter, where he tells them what he wants them to do. And it's quite central to Paul's purpose. So let me give you a very literal translation of verse 27. I've put it on your outline. It should be familiar to those of us who went to men's convention because we looked a lot at this at men's convention. Here's my translation of verse 27. I've had to use a made-up word. I've copied uh, John Dixon from men's, men's convention with this word. So you can see where I am on the left-hand side, halfway down. Here's the command of verse 27. One thing, citizenize worthily of the good news of Christ citizenize worthily of the good news of Christ. Well, have a look with me at the Bible that you've got there, the NIV. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 27, 127. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We don't have a word citizenize, so they've got to come up with conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Okay, let's try to unpack this sentence. It's a very important sentence. Those first words, uh, whatever happens, or one thing, Literally. Paul is saying, whatever happens to me, whether I get executed, whether I get released, here is what you've got to do. Here's the one thing that you've got to do. What's the one thing? Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, or literally, citizenize worthily of the good news of Christ. What does that mean? Well, first, we've got to know that there is good news, good news of Christ. That is good news of the king, the king that God promised the good news is that Jesus is the king that God promised. And this Jesus, he died and rose again so that we can be part of his kingdom. Even though we've ignored God, even though we've been like enemies to God, we can be forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We can have like an amnesty. Do you know what an amnesty is? Where, where all, all, everything that you've done is forgiven and you can become part. Of Jesus' kingdom. That's the good news of the gospel of Christ. Through Jesus' death and resurrection we can become citizens of Jesus' kingdom. And so the command is this citizenize worthily. but Be a worthy citizen. Be a good citizen of King Jesus' kingdom. Conduct yourselves in a way that's appropriate as a subject of Jesus. Now Philippi, you may remember was a Roman colony. And in this Roman colony Uh, there was a lot of emphasis on the emperor, Caesar. In fact, uh, the main religion was worshipping the emperor, Caesar. And there was a lot of emphasis on being good citizens of the Roman Empire. And says this was a very familiar concept to the Philippians. I think it's still a familiar concept to us today, isn't it? The idea of being a worthy citizen. Uh, A couple of years ago, the uh, federal government started a test that you have to pass to get Australian citizenship. Some people, I'm sure, have had a go at that test to become citizens. But oh, well, during the week, I had a go at a sample test. Um, and it's interesting what the government perceives you need to know to be a worthy Australian citizen. Uh, there was some history. Okay. When did the first uh, fleet come? Was it 1688, 1788, or 1988? That was the question. Uh, there was stuff about the gold rush. Why did people come to Australia in the 1850s? My son Joel didn't know that one. Uh, There were questions about the flag or flags. Uh, One question I had to guess the answer to. See if you know the answer to this one. What are the black lines on the Torres Strait Island flag, moon? I didn't even know they had a flag either. I didn't even know there was a Torres Strait Island flag. Uh, There were questions about the national anthem, about what the capital of Australia is, uh, about the relationship of the parliament and the Queen. Uh, There was one question I really liked. Uh, is it true that religious leaders don't have to obey Australian laws? Uh, sadly, according to the test, it's not true. Um, I had to drive within the law and so on again. Interesting questions. Uh, apparently, if you can answer all these questions, then you're worthy to be a citizen of Australia. This concept of being a worthy citizen is quite familiar to us, was very familiar to the Philippians. A- and what Paul's doing... He's taking this familiar concept and he's transforming it. And his point is this. Christians must live as worthy citizens, not of the Roman Empire, but of Jesus' empire. Paul goes on to give some reasons why why we should do it. And he also spells out more what it means. And that's in the rest of verse 27. Uh, The first reason to live as a worthy citizen is, is so that Paul will be encouraged. Um, so that uh, he'll know that his labour hasn't been in vain. Verse 27. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Because there's the first reason, so that Paul can be encouraged. Do you notice also there that he spells out more of what it means to be worthy citizens of Christ's kingdom. Uh, nothing to do with history or flags. Can you see what it means? Uh, the first bit there, it means standing firm. Can you see that? That is, you don't move. You keep on trusting in Jesus. You start off trusting in Jesus and then you keep on trusting in You don't walk away from trusting in Jesus. You just stand firm. You keep on obeying Jesus. You don't walk away from obeying Jesus. You stand firm. Can you see that Paul says, how you stand firm? You stand firm together in one spirit. We need each other. We've got to be a team. Being worthy citizens, it also means contending for the faith of the gospel. Can you see that there? We have to contend. Do you know what contend means? It means fight. We have to Fight, it says, not, not with fists or guns, but with hearts and minds. We've got to fight against ourselves, against our laziness and, and, and sinfulness and selfishness. And, and when, we, when we go out into the world, we've got to contend. We've got to stand up for Jesus. Someone's saying crazy wrong things about Christians at school or about Jesus at school or at work. You say something about it. You say, that's not right. Jesus is my king. We're to tell other people about Jesus, contending for the faith. We're to show people that life without Jesus is futile and doomed. We're to contend for the faith of the gospel. And notice again how we're to do it. We're to do it as one man, as a team, united, standing firm in one spirit, contending as one man. And finally, Paul says, worthy citizens are brave. Can you see that there? They're not frightened in any way by those who oppose them. All right, there's the command. Be worthy citizens of Christ's kingdom. Stand firm in one spirit. Contend as one man. Be brave. Uh, the picture that I get in my mind of, uh, of what Paul wants for the church is something like this. Thanks, uh, Clement or Roberto. Do, do you know that image? Apparently, uh, you get a Greek version of it in the movie 300, John was telling me during the week. I didn't, not technological enough to find that, but someone's got this off the internet for me. This is the Romans, I think. And uh, can you see how they move as one? I don't know exactly how they do it, but I think it's arms locked, shield, sword, and, and everything moves as one. They're, they're, they're shielding each other, protecting each other, contending as one man for the Roman Empire. Well, Paul says the Christians should be contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Thanks, guys. He's given his first reason. He says, do it for my sake. Uh, And now he's got two more reasons. Reason number two is this. It says, if you live as a worthy citizen, you're a sign. You're a sign. If you're a worthy citizen, it's like a sign that you're going to be saved. So halfway through verse 28, citizenizing worthily, this is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. If you're standing firm, being a worthy citizen, you can be sure that you're being saved. It's like a sign that you're being saved. And the third reason is there in verse 29, and that is that God has graciously granted them that they can suffer. If they suffer, it's not because God hates them. It's not because it's out of God's control. God gives suffering as a gift for his own good purposes. Verse 29, for it's been granted to you On behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Okay, can you see where we've been so far? Paul's in jail. Maybe he's going to be executed. Maybe he's going to be released. But either way, he says to the Philippians, just one thing you've got to get straight. Live as worthy citizens of Christ's kingdom. Stand firm. Contend for the faith. Don't be frightened. And do it as a team. Like that Roman unit, arms locked, shields together, moving forward as one, and the reasons to comfort Paul so they know they're being saved and because God is in control of their suffering. well now in chapter two, now in chapter two, Paul focuses on one aspect of being worthy citizens of christ's kingdom, just one aspect, and that is the aspect of being a team of being united, of standing firm in one spirit, of contending as one man. Now, I don't, I don't want to be mean about this, um, but it's not always easy to work as a team with other Christians, is it? Um, other Christians, they're not always that easy to get on with, are they? They're not always perfect. Churches are not always havens of peace and harmony. Uh, I don't always find it easy to get on with other Christians. And this week I've been thinking and meditating very carefully about it and and I've worked out why it's so hard. Uh, The problem is, other Christians are so proud and selfish. Uh, They're hard to get on with because they're proud and selfish. You're hard to get on with because you're proud and selfish. Uh, You keep getting in the way of, well, you keep getting in the way of my pride and selfishness. It's not that easy to stand firm in one spirit. It can be hard to contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. And so Paul pleads with the Philippians in chapter 2. He says, if the gospel means anything to you, if the gospel has changed you in any way, if the gospel has had any impact on you, then do what it takes to be a team. If the gospel has had any impact on you, do what it takes to be a team. He starts off by talking about the impact that the gospel should have on us. He says, if we're united with Christ, it should encourage us. If we're loved by God the Father, it should comfort us. If we're partnered by the Holy Spirit, it should change us. The gospel should give us tenderness and compassion. Chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, Christians should be changed by the gospel. And Paul says to the Philippians, if you are then do what it takes to be a team. Stop being selfish. Stop being conceited. Stop thinking just about yourself. Stop worrying about you. Put aside your pride and work hard at getting on with other people. Paul says, if you've been impacted by the gospel, then verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now you put it like that, and it's it's a fair thing to ask, isn't it? God has loved us; He's united us with Christ. Not because we deserve it, not because we're good, but because he is kind and gracious and generous and other person-centred. How, how can we receive all of that, say thank you very much, but then go on and be conceited and selfish and not caring about other people? How can we receive all the good things that God's done to, be, to, to put us on his team and then not do what it takes to be part of the team? The gospel demands that we be humble servants but in case we haven't got it yet, Paul gives us an extraordinary, magnificent example. He points us to our king, and in these glorious few verses, he shows us how our king has offered the ultimate in humble service. He says to the Philippians, you've got to be like Jesus. Verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he talks about the attitude of Jesus. He says, Jesus, Jesus has always been God. In very nature God, equal with God. But on that first Christmas, God became man. Verse 6, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. I know you know this stuff already, but this is just stunning, isn't it? As God, Jesus had all the honour, all the glory, all the power in the entire universe. He could do anything that he wanted, but in an incredible act of humility, he became a baby. Don't get me wrong, I love babies. I've had four babies. Uh, The other day I was cuddling baby Lachlan Wong up the back there, uh, cuddling him with such affection that someone said to me, is he yours? (laughs) It wasn't until later that I realised what I should have said. I should have said, "No, he can't be mine." Two whites can't make a Wong. <laughs> <clears throat> I do love babies, uh, but the fact is, Lachlan, just close your ears for a minute. The fact is, babies are thoroughly useless. They can't do anything. They just lie there and cry and poo and puke, often all at the same time. <laughs> They're completely useless. Jesus was in very nature God. Able to do anything all power in the universe and he became a crying, pooing, puking, helpless baby. Didn't end there. Jesus humbly and obediently served God right through his life all the way to death. Not just any death, death on a cross. Uh, The cross is one of the worst forms of death ever known to man. It's so painful, so disgusting, that in Jesus' day the very word cross was like a swear word. You wouldn't say it in polite company. It was the most degrading and humiliating form of death. The man would hang, and it was only men, they wouldn't crucify women. The, The man would hang in public view, completely naked, covered in his own blood and filth, struggling in agony for breath until after hours or perhaps even days he finally asphyxiated. Uh, Also for the Jews, crucifixion reminded them of what God said in his Old Testament law about how those who are hung on a tree are cursed by God. It doesn't get any lower than this. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Jesus was so concerned for us, so loving towards us, so humble and obedient to God, so other person-centered, he became a man and died on a cross. It is unimaginable humility and sacrifice. And because of that humility and sacrifice, God has established Jesus as king. He's given him the title Lord. He's made Jesus king of the universe and a day is coming when every creature will have to accept that Jesus is Lord, every creature will have to bow the knee, whether they like it or not. Verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and I know it's a familiar story, but that's an amazing story, isn't it? It's a stunning, unique story. More than just a good story, that is a compelling argument. How can you be a follower of this Christ and then be selfishly ambitious? How can you follow this Christ, say, he's my king, and then be vainly conceited? How can you follow this Christ and then not care about other people? How can you follow this Christ but then be too proud or too lazy to do what it takes to get on with other Christians? How can you be a follower of this Christ and then not do what it takes to be a team with his people? You can't, can you? I mean, we can and we do, but we shouldn't, should we? We need to have the same attitude as Jesus. We need to be humble and obedient. We need to do what it takes to work together as a team. Well, friends, Presbyterians and members of our church keep getting recognised as worthy citizens of the British Empire, and that's a good thing. But as we come to the end of this passage, I need to ask you a question Are you a worthy citizen in Jesus' kingdom? Are you a worthy citizen in Jesus' kingdom? I guess the first question to ask is, are you a citizen in Jesus' kingdom? Do you have citizenship? You can have it, you know. You can be a citizen in Jesus' kingdom. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. None of us are good enough in ourselves to be citizens of his kingdom, but none of us are so bad that he can't forgive us and offer us amnesty. This is why he did What we've just read about, this is why he humbled himself and died on the cross, to take our sin away so we can be forgiven, so we can be welcomed into his kingdom. We need to bow the knee to Jesus. We need to call on him as our Lord. We need to say, Jesus, please forgive me. Please save me. Please let me be part of your kingdom. The day is coming when you will bow the knee to him whether you like it or not. But here and now you can do it with this amnesty. You can do it without being destroyed. Jesus will accept you into his kingdom. Can I say, there is no better or more important thing in your life that you could ever do than be a citizen in Jesus' kingdom. Not even death can take away this citizenship. Make sure you've got it. If you are a citizen in Christ's kingdom, then the next question is this. Are you being a worthy citizen? Are you standing firm? Are you contending for the faith? Are you being brave? It's not always that easy, is it? Uh, I guess many of us are in uh, Christian schools, some in uh, normal schools. Either way it's not easy, is it? Either way it's not easy. Not everybody likes it when you talk about Jesus. Those of us who are in workplaces, not everybody likes it when you talk about Jesus. I've just realised this year that I've been a Christian for exactly half my life. I became a Christian when I was 21 years of age and just a couple of months ago I turned 21 again. 42. <laughs> it's never been easy. It's a constant battle. Every day I've got a battle with my own greed and selfishness laziness and doubt and fear. That's before I even get out of the house. Then I've got to stand up and face the world. It is hard to be known as a Christian in everything that we do. I was talking to a man the other day. We went for a long walk and he was saying to me, Jeff, I just want to be able to go to a party As a work function, and not have to be a Christian and not have to relate to everyone through Jesus and not have to be the weirdo all the time. Just want to be normal and have people think I'm okay and not have these big barriers where they don't want to talk to me because I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. Just want to, I've had enough. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's just plain tiring being a Christian. So, how are you going? Are you zipping the lip? keeping quiet? Are you walking away? Are you being scared? Or are you standing firm, contending bravely? One more question to ask. Are we contending as a team? Are we like that Roman army unit? Arms locked, shielding each other, moving forward as one. See, with the Philippians, the problem was they were all fighting with each other. I suspect our problem, though, is that we don't even know each other well enough to fight. We just smile nicely for a couple of hours on Sunday and that's it. We don't even know each other well enough to fight. So I think if we're going to really help each other, we're going to have to be working harder at spending time with each other and at talking about, uh, working harder at talking about things that matter. I'm not just talking about whatever young people talk about, computers or Facebooks or something like that. Um, Whatever uh, middle-aged men like I talk about, rugby or, um, I don't know, grey hair or something. (laughs) Um, We need to talk about things that are more serious, like how are you going as a Christian? Like, are you being brave? Like, can I pray for you about something? It's hard. It can be embarrassing. Other Christians can be difficult. But I'm glad Jesus didn't give up on us. I'm glad he didn't say, oh, it's just too embarrassing. Glad he didn't say, oh, it's all too hard. Friends, there's good news. Jesus is king. We can have the privilege of being citizens in his kingdom. Let's citizenize worthily. Let's pray. Father and our God, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank and praise you that he's done everything it takes for us to be citizens in his kingdom, forgiven and cleansed and with you forever. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to trust Jesus, to submit to him as our Lord, to stand firm and to contend together so that we keep on standing firm all our lives. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to have an impact on the people around us. Help us to be humble, other person-centered like Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen.